Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good Risings. I'm Jackie. And I'm Brian. And this is Grateful Grains. Welcome back. We're spending the week exploring love. We got it started Monday with intentional connection. Tuesday, we explored the true meaning of self-love. Yesterday, we talked love in friendship. And today, we're talking love in romantic partnerships. So here's a personal anecdote. My husband and I decided not to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a wedding. We decided to get married at the courthouse. We had two witnesses. Jackie was obviously one of them. But during the ceremony, the officiant decided to switch up the classic vows. Instead of saying, so long as you both shall live, she said, so long as you both shall love. And I, of course, corrected her. Like many people out there, we honor the spiritual context of marriage. It's a union that means more than just let's be more than boyfriends or girlfriends. Exactly. And that's really the aspect of love that we want to discuss today. Because when we're looking at something that's meant to be as long-term as marriage, We can't rely on something so fleeting as a feeling. And I think a lot of people out there equate love with feelings, especially feelings of being enamored. And sure, love can sometimes mean being enamored, but when it comes to lifelong love, we have to have an eye on what comes after the honeymoon phase. I think a lot of people go into marriage without a real grasp on how feelings change over the course of a lifetime. We hit rough patches, our moods can be affected for months at a time, and when the going gets tough, we mistake a downward turn for the new normal. In reality, sometimes it actually just means we have to ride out the storm. If we're relying on those feelings alone, we'd potentially just end it we'd wake up and decide we're not in love anymore. Exactly. And when we stick it out, when we fight the fight, when we make it through, on the other side, that's when we get a taste of true love. That's when we actually understand commitment. And to be fair, I think it's best to sort out whether we're actually capable of that together before we get married. But so many faiths out there forbid living together before marriage. That worked when people didn't see divorce as an option. In America, our relationship with marriage has really changed over the last 50 years. Obviously, divorce is relatively common at something near 45%. And that's in some ways a result of this big shift. It's demonstrated in how the officiant switched up the vows at the courthouse. It's similar to how available tattoo removal has become. For better or worse, tattoos are no longer permanent. Don't get us wrong. We do agree that there are plenty of good reasons to get divorced. People hit impassable walls. They grow in different directions. They reach irreconcilable differences. And again, this is a totally personal choice. But what we'd like to confront in this conversation is the idea that marriage is yet another word that's lost its power in the modern age. Right, marriage has become an entirely subjective experience and its meaning varies from one individual to the next, even between partners. So let's at least get on the same page that our goal in marriage is that it lasts a lifetime. What exactly should we be looking for? We've actually been talking about these things all week. 
but it begins with truly knowing ourselves. If we're not already married and we have the option of doing the work before we say I do, that's key. We do the work of deep examination. We explore our strengths and weaknesses. We sort out our triggers, the reactions we'd rather not have, the ways we can improve. And then we sort out why those things are there, whether they're subconscious mechanisms or just really bad habits. Either way, we want to know what makes us tick and why. Right. And we want our partner to have done the same. So a big part of knowing that is talking about it. We talk about growth together. We talk about how we've changed over the course of our lives. We talk about things we'd like to change. We open up a dialogue focusing specifically about our progress in the world of introspection. And we make that a common conversation. Right. And in doing this, we're also building a foundation of honest communication, of vulnerability, and we're establishing a real connection. We know we can confront our flaws openly and together, and we find we have a partner in our efforts to grow. And that's arguably one of the most important things a marriage can have. In this work, we may also discover how our strengths and weaknesses are well-fit and how they may not be well-fit. From there, we can pinpoint what needs more attention. Because if one person's common behavior is triggering for their partner, that's a sign that A, we should work on why we're being triggered, and B, we should work on not behaving in this way that's triggering. This could be a very long conversation, but we'll limit it to just one more thought. We have to get on the same page about what marriage means. We have to agree on its definition and the level of commitment that comes along with it. Believe it or not, these feel like awkward conversations between some couples. I came across an eye-opening thought from psychotherapist Matthias Barker the other day, that being happy cannot be our primary goal in life. He used the example of having a child sick in the hospital. In this situation, if our goal is selfishly to be happy, we'd potentially not visit the hospital. We'd potentially distract ourselves with other things in order to maintain a feeling of happiness. And that's, of course, a drastic thought. Most people wouldn't be able to be away from their sick child in a hospital, but it does provide a clear representation of what it would look like to prioritize our own happiness above all. Right. Being consistently happy is, of course, a good thing, but we cannot allow feelings of unhappiness to be our only barometer when it comes to making big life decisions. Instead, Matthias suggests investing in a life of meaning, and that applies to today's conversation. Acknowledging that there's going to be situations that do call for divorce, we look at the other side of that same token, that we fight through hardships because we've invested and made a promise to this person. Even when it doesn't feel easy, even when it doesn't feel like love for the time being. Thanks so much for joining us here on Grateful Grains. You can find us on Instagram at Good Risings, or you can find me at B McMuffin. And you can find me at Jacqueline M. Wood underscore one. We'll be back again tomorrow for the final day of our week discussing love. Until then, remember, a better tomorrow starts with today. We have some exciting news. You can now search more than 700 Good Risings episodes on the new Fathom FM app the podcast player from the future. Go to fathom.fm slash good risings and ask questions to hear answers directly from the Good Risings podcast. 
Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio.